So we're sitting here in this really amazing space in the Marina Market, totally, as we were saying, industrial and everything. Is there, like, tell me a little bit about the kind of installation element to how you're presenting this film here? Because obviously, sculpture, the National Sculpture Factory, there's this kind of sensibility that this is kind of, it's not just a screening of the film. No, no, it's very much an experience. Like, as we've talked about, sound and music is incredibly important to the film, and so, what we've got is a, uh, we've installed it with a 5.1 surround sound system so that when you're sitting in the center of the, the speaker system, you're really being immersed in the sound. And so the, the, the sound is just as important as the image. And then well, we've also got a huge image, which is like this seven meter screen as big probably as any cinema screen. Uh, and that is also really important. But also then before people will encounter the film, so we've worked with um, Sculpture Factories, worked with some really great lighting designers to kind of sculpt the space so that, you know, this experience of entering the space and the ambiance in the space is impo as important as the build up to, so it creates a kind of build up to before the film begins. And so there's a, a stem from the music choir kind of floating through the space and there's some kind of abstract visuals on the screen and then the lighting design is softly playing so it really like creates an anticipation before the film the film begins and so I think yeah Dobbs in Sculpture Factory has been just amazing at really thinking about the staging of the space as being as important as the as the work itself and how that really supports the work in really a really atmospheric way. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same at all if it was just static, if it was just part of Cork Film Festival just being screened down in screen number two. Of no, Dragon no. Or whatever. And I, well, I think that's what's brilliant about that collaboration between the Sculpture Factory and the Film Festival is it's just thinking about other ways to encounter film that isn't in the cinema and how like those, you know, small shifts in context can actually create a different relationship to film, yeah. you know, in really interesting and generative ways, I think. Are you proud of your film yes i mean it's i literally just finished it on saturday just gone so for me it's like i i it just takes me like months before i realize like what it is i've made or what it's about even you know i'm i've attempted to kind of explain it but it, it'll probably be like a year from now before i really like wrap my head around what the film really is um but so far the responses have been really amazing and people have responded to it in really like encouraging ways so um, no, I'm, I'm super proud of it and also just so proud of all the work that so many people have put into the film because it's, you know, I'm just the director, you know, I've collaborated with, you know, an amazing writer, musicians, sound designers, editors, producers, sculpture factory, you know, so it's it's a huge, like, team effort. It's not just, you know. Are you one of these neurotic filmmakers who can't watch their own work? Like, I know <laughs> some filmmakers and they're like, oh, God, I can't even look at it a year after. I have a bit of that, yeah, where I, I do cringe in my own work, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's always, it's always quite hard because you're so aware of, like, what could be different or, you know, but with, no, with this one, it's it's been a real pleasure to make and it's, a real it's still I still enjoy watching it although I wasn't feeling that last week when we were like watching it seven times a day to try and fix things and you know the rush up to the end I was like oh my god I can't actually watch this one more time did you edit it I didn't edit it no I worked with a really great editor and sound designer called Daniel Goddard who I, I, I love working with Daniel because he's both a musician and a sound designer he really understands how sound changes an edit and how sound functions with an edit in really interesting ways and to be able to build both the sound and the edit at the same time rather than just 
you know, making an edit and then handing it over to someone else. It's it's a really in kind of, I don't know, it's a really embedded way of working and thinking about sound from the very beginning, which is really important to my films. Ostensibly it's a film about algae, but really it's also kind of a film about humans. And you have this kind of idea of kind of violence and resource extraction and exploitation. Is the message there that we do that to algae? Not necessarily, not just to algae, but it's, it's basically it's looking at how we've come, the reason why we're in this mess and this crisis is because nature has been rendered as something to be mastered by humans and has been seen as something that is there to be exploited by humans for financial gain. And so the really, the only way to get out of this situation that we're in is to kind of start to reconfigure our relationship to nature, to not see ourselves as something separate, but really embedded in this complete ecosystem and so you know I'm using algae as a framework to explore those ideas but they relate in many different ways to the way both human and non-human lives have been exploited by I guess the system of capitalism mm. and that you know it's it's about also re like re yeah re basically trying to reimagine new ways of relating to nature because you know we can we can replace fossil fuels with green technologies but they won't change the root causes of how we got to this this mess. Yeah. You know, if, if we're just swapping one type of technology for another, you know, it's not really dealing with the systemic problems. Um, and do you think that that's there in that kind of, you know, that there might be this kind of um, utopian idea that somehow algae is going to help us get out of this, oh, because we can exploit it like this or we can use it like this and it's going to cool our planet or it's going to let the, us go to another planet? So it's, it's, it's a kind of complex, maybe a bit more, I've kind of complicated the relations a bit more than that. It's, so it, the film kind of suggests that there are solutions to be found with algae, but at the same time, those solutions have un also have unintended consequences. So like, we can, I guess, yeah, start cultivating algae on a huge industrial scale and make green fuel, but then where is that fuel gonna be made? Who's, who are the workers that will be exploited by that production process? W you know, it'll be probably outsourced to places with hot climates in like Sub-Saharan Africa maybe, where land is cheap. And you know, so those and, and system systemic problems are still there. Um, and they don't really lead to kind of the, the true change I think that we need. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, yeah, I'm explaining that very yeah, well because that's, that's the kind of yeah. like, the, I guess, and the way the film is called, I guess, The Two Faces is Tomorrow. It's, it's always like looking at the, the dual side to these things and, and you always have to kind of question what on the surface seems like to be the promise of some kind of utopian solution, you know? Because the film also references how, like, the major fossil fuel companies are also investing in biofuel production. So, like, ExxonMobil, who's one of the world's biggest petrochemical companies, who they simultaneously, like, fund these huge media campaigns around how amazing it is that biofuel will be the green new solution to all our energy needs. And yet, at the same time, in the other hand, they're funding fossil, f or they're funding climate change denial, which um, we know through study that's, that's actually true. So, you know, you can't trust these, you can't trust the promise of these new technologies. You know, you have to always question 
where it's coming from and who's benefiting from. It, also another interesting side to it, the American military in the States have also funded a huge amount of research into biofuels because they don't want to have a, a reliance on the private fossil fuel industry. They want to have sources of oil you know, that they can control and is separate from those kind of private market sources. And so, you know, then you have to start questioning that, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so it's, 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 it's very complicated. There's no, like, simple, simple, straight solutions. And I think that's, again, what I'm trying to look at is, you know, complicating these things in the film and not, and not just saying, oh, algae is this great, quick, amazing thing that can save us all because, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. Because it could also kill us. Well, like that, and that's the other side of the film is that <laughs> through you know, algae have been over the, the history of the planet have also been these like, you know, the planetary re like climate regulators. And so they've triggered ice ages and mass extinctions over the history of the planet. And so, you know, at the moment, um, algae blooms are growing at an exponential rate all over the world and kill it. And as they explode in kind of water bodies, they kill all aquatic life. So, you know, in the, the Baltic Sea, there's every summer there are these fast few blooms, 14,000 square mile blooms that are just devastating ecosystems. And that's because the, you know, a mix of reasons with the climate and warming waters, and then also runoff from crop fertilizers entering water bodies. So, and um, eventually though, if enough algae blooms populate the planet, they will pull so much carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere that they will cool the planet, but they might cause human extinction in that process. So, you <laughs> Just know, as a little by yeah. as a little byproduct. Yeah. There. <laughs> so it's, you know, algae will be here long after we're gone, and it's, you know, we need to quickly realize that we're just a small part of a of a wider ecosystem we're not masters of of nature and that yeah. we really need to reconfigure our relationship to to the ecosystem. It's probably a really stupid question, seeing as you're really deep in this at the moment, but are you working on something else? Do you have plans for the future? Uh, I've got the next film is funded. Uh, so the funding's in place and there's a script written. And so that's going back to um, short kind of fiction drama again. And it's a film called Whale Fall that um, was, the script was written by my friend um, Owen Corrigan in lockdown. It was just like, again, started off as like, you know, a lockdown project where we were both like sitting around and, you know, I, I said I had this idea for a film, which again has come out of my time spent in Offaly shooting um, the Bog Bodies film. And it's um, about a whale that's this soft silicone life-size sculpture of a whale that's sitting in a bog in Offaly. And I just thought that's also, you know, I, that's a, a lot of the times the way I make films is just through, I get an, an initial image. And so this was like, that's a ready-made film set. And I had this idea of two um, awfully characters out for a walk encountering this whale that's dropped from the sky. They don't know like where it came from or how it's um, come to be there. And so it's quite an absurd, it's more of a comedy, I would say in some ways, um, but also still dealing with big themes about like how capitalism is basically the cause of all our problems. You've been listening to an arts and culture podcast for Tripe and Rasheen with me, Ellie O'Byrne. 
If you like what you hear on Tripendrasheen, remember that you can always subscribe for just eight euros per month to support our work. And you can also help us spread the news on social media. We're on at Tidrasheen on Twitter and Tripendrasheen on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.